Will They Find a Home? Sponsored by Geico. Steve is intrigued by the paranormal. Otherworldly spirits really make a house a home, you know? Janice has different taste. I'd like my house to not be haunted. Compromise is tough, but these two won't have to compromise when they bundle home and car insurance with Geico. It's easy, and they could save even more. In the end, Steve and Janice found a renovated Victorian that's only haunted from 9 to 5. Okay, wife's home. Y'all gotta bounce. Bye, Steve. Bundling without compromise at Geico.com. From the basement of the Bob and Tom studio, it's that Josh Arnold podcast. Oh, hello there. My goodness. Another week. Another that Josh Arnold podcast. What are we essentially smack dab in the middle of August here? Boy. Time sure is a moving, and uh, hey, you know it's always good to take a little time out of the week and you know chat it up a little bit, and that's uh, what we like to do here. My guest this week is uh, somebody very, very special to me. Somebody I really appreciate, I admire, and I occasionally look to for guidance and um, inspiration. Of course, I'm talking about. You! That's right, it's you. Oh, thank you so much for being here with me. You look good. I hope you're feeling good as well. Uh, Speaking of feeling good, uh, for those of you who listen to the big show and you've heard the news, or maybe you haven't heard, I'll I'll, I'll tell you now, uh, Tom Griswold is feeling okay. He went in last week for a scheduled procedure. Uh, That procedure ended up being a little more invasive than originally planned, but for good reason, um, and uh, it was a success. It was a heart procedure. They replaced a valve, and uh, it was a success. Uh, but they had to open him up a little bit more than they originally thought, so his recovery time is going to be a little uh, lengthier and, um, you know, a little more uh, severe. He's, he's in some <laughs> discomfort, as you might imagine, if, when you have... Well, it was open-heart surgery, so yeah, they really had to crack him open there, so he's uh, recovering, but he's doing well. Uh, By all accounts, he's uh, joking around with doctors and nurses, and he's doing his crossword puzzles, and he's drinking his teas, and uh, visiting with the family, and all that stuff. So, uh, our best to Tommy, of course. You can also, if you would like to reach out and send him some Get Well messages, email him at getwell at bobandtom.com. Let him know that you're thinking about him, that you wish him the best, and uh, that you look forward to hearing him again soon. Uh, he, he sure would love it, and uh, we miss him. We're having fun uh, without him, but, uh, you know, we do. We uh, are missing him. We actually, ugh, all of us have to work a little harder, which is, uh, boy, oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I'm used to kind of coast. Well, look, I'll be honest. I'm still coasting. Uh, Chick and Christy have really stepped it up. Uh, and Willie, everybody has stepped it up but me. I'm still uh, just sort of uh, <laughs> riding around on fumes, uh, which is how I like to do. Uh, you know what helps me, though, uh, every now and again is, uh, well, our, our sponsor uh, this week. It'll help with my energy. It'll help with my, uh, well, you'll see it, it, when I tell you what it is. It helps with many things. This week's sponsor Drinks. You know, we need them, don't we? We need drinks to uh, 
quench our thirst. When we get thirsty, we um, uh, a real quick aside. Uh, we were we were talking sponsors earlier. Uh, my producer Jason and I, and uh, he said that he always enjoys the sponsors. And I said yes. Whenever I I say them, I I look up at you to see if you're smiling. And he goes, oh yes, I love them all. Well, I just said uh, I just talked about this week's sponsor drinks, and I looked over stone faced. Nothing. I got nothing from him. So uh, I don't think he was doing it on purpose. I think he genuinely was just not amused or uh, happy that this. I, I tell you what, Jason, if we didn't have drinks, you'd be upset about it. I mean, there's no denying it. Uh, you, you'd be thirsty a lot. You. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Boy, I had no idea that that was in the system. I think I did know. Uh, actually, I forgot that that was in the system. I'm going to have to get that removed. Go over your head. Uh, drinks. Now, any drink, water, uh, caffeinated, uh, decaffeinated, alcoholic, non-alcoholic. We need drinks, don't we? Ah, they're, they're, most of them taste good. Uh, you wouldn't drink something you didn't like. Uh, I hope you don't. And uh, just to, look, I don't need to sell you on this. Drinks sell themselves. They're very important. I hope you <laughs> enjoy some drinks, whatever they be, uh, this week. Uh, let's get out of this basement, huh? It's one of those weird, it's like, uh, soupy, I think is the right word. It's a little soupy down here today. So why don't we uh, get some fresh air and as we hop aboard, that's the wrong, uh, what a, oh boy, you see what happens? You, you whatevered me and, uh, karma kicks your butt. Whatever. Oh, another mistake is coming. Uh, that's, uh, that's what that can mean. The TJA Express, of course. Oh, feel that. That summer wind blowing through your your hair there. Or if you, you know, you're like me and you're kind of losing your hair, maybe caressing your pate. Um, all right. The Arn Track. It's the world's only uh, <laughs> steam-powered monorail. Uh, oh, look where we've arrived. Uh, Vocabville. Ah, always nice to stop in Vocabville and learn ourselves a word. And uh, today's word is a lot of fun. It's a silly one, and uh, I think you'll enjoy using it. Fadoodle. That's right. Fadoodle. F-A-D-O-O-D-L-E. Fadoodle, it means nonsense or ridiculousness. So, I mean, that sounds right, doesn't it? The word essentially sounds like what it means. It's nonsense. It's ridiculousness. Fadoodle. You're talking fadoodle. You know, on the big show in the mornings, we we throw a lot of fadoodle around. That's for sure. I know I'm guilty of it. Fadoodle. Isn't that fun? Use that this week. Just go, ah, it's a bunch of fadoodle. It's sort of, I guess maybe it's similar to malarkey. My mom and my grandma, they were big malarkey. They're, they're, uh, my mom's still big, big malarkey user. That's ah, a bunch of baloney. That's a bunch of malarkey. Oh, those are favorites of uh, Cindy Arnold. Yeah. All that jazz is another Cindy Arnold favorite. You know, they were talking silly. It was just a malarkey and baloney and all that jazz. <laughs> ah, fadoodle. Nonsense. Don't you bring that fadoodle in here. Yeah, that's a fun one. Fadoodle. All right, that was a quick trip at uh, Vocabville. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on ahead, see where we're dropped off at next. And, uh, oh, it's getting a little dark out. I see some, uh, some gray, almost, uh, purple, maybe black clouds are 
covering over the sun. What? We're in Fearfield. That's right. Another stop here in Fearfield. Will we talk about, well, what people are afraid of? Phobias and the and the like. This one's interesting. This one's, uh, well, these are always interesting, but this one I was unaware of. And uh, Rory actually wrote in with this. I, I don't know, Rory, if you suffer from this phobia, but uh, I certainly appreciate you bringing our attention to it while we stop here in Fairfield. Uh, the phobia this week, amethophobia. Amethophobia, A-M-A-T-H-O. Phobia, P-H-O-B-I-A. Amethophobia. It is the morbid fear. So we know what that means. It's fatter than even... No, of course, not. that was a morbidly obese joke. Um, boy, what a term that is. Morbidly obese. <laughs> I don't know if we've talked about that before. I feel like I have, but because uh, uh, it, uh, it always makes me laugh. Uh, it's the morbid fear of dust. So afraid of dust that you think you might die. Isn't that wild? Boy, amethophobia. I bet uh, folks with that have trouble going into old homes or, uh, uh, oh boy, particularly like maybe an old farmhouse where a couple of the windows have been knocked out and uh, there's a, a dried up field nearby and you walk in there, maybe in the heart of, uh, oh, can you imagine having, uh, amethophobia in the height of the dust bowl you couldn't live you'd have to move you would have to you'd have to leave amethophobia the morbid fear of dust are you i wonder if folks are just will so if you have amethophobia i wonder if dusting is something you do compulsively or if you can't because it requires you to be near the dust boy that's a catch-22 I hate dust so much, but I can't dust very often because I'll get dust (laughs) on me or up in the air. Oh, that's a nightmare. Amethophobia. The morbid fear of dust. Could you ever go to the desert or, um, you know, someplace where dust abounds? I, I, I don't know that you could. Can you imagine seeing a dust devil? Have you ever seen one of those when you're driving through, you know, the, uh, Western U.S.? They're wild. I mean, they're like, you know, they're tornadoes, but just big old dust devils. That's certainly uh, scary to somebody who has amethophobia. What a fascinating phobia. Thank you, Rory, for uh, sending that one in. I hope you don't suffer from it. I hope nobody suffers from it, but somebody must because it is a thing. The fear of dust. Uh, I tell you what, um, if uh, if you've got amethophobia, don't go see Pat Godwin. That act is dusty. <laughs> Josh, why are you giving Godwin a, a shot? Because I know he listens to the podcast, and I know that somewhere he's laughing. And uh, <laughs> I would have used my act, um, but quite frankly, uh, I've only been doing comedy, oh, I don't know, for uh, 12 years or so. So um, he's been doing it much longer. Uh, do I, Am I doing jokes that I've had for over 10 years? Yes, but that's still not as dusty as, the, <laughs> as some of the jokes Pat's been doing. Pat, I love you. He would go, I, it never cut funny. That's what he would say to me right now. Even though you hurt my feelings, never cut funny. 
All right. Uh, well, that was a nice visit to Fearfield. But now we're going to move on. And, uh, oh, I see on the itinerary we do have one more stop. <laughs> ah. Will you look at this? Here we are, folks. One of our favorite spots. Music Junction. I'm laughing because I almost just yelled Bookburg, but that's not at all where we're at. It's Music Junction. And uh, we're going to do something uh, this week that we did a couple weeks ago that everybody, uh, well, I don't, I don't want to say everybody. That's uh, terribly presumptuous of me. Uh, that a lot of people wrote me and said, hey, I really enjoyed that. Keep doing that, please. Uh, so I thought, yeah, I will, but I want to be inspired. I don't want to do it, uh, you know, just to do it. And uh, I was recently inspired. What I'm talking about is a couple weeks ago, I dissected, we played a song, and then we sort of analyzed it together, uh, James McMurtry's great new song, Canola Fields. And uh, I was listening to a, a, a musician that I really like at, uh, recently, and uh, the song came up, and I went, oh, I forgot, I love this. I just love this song so much. And then I went, oh, wow, this one certainly uh, is made for a uh, for analysis. So why don't we do that again? We're going to play the song. You'll, you'll have a listen to it. Um, and then uh, we'll talk about it. Because oftentimes we'll listen to music. Uh, and um, we, got, we, we don't always go, hey, I wonder why they chose that word and not another word. Or I wonder why they chose this image and not another image. And there's usually reasons why. Uh, the best lyricists, much like the best poets, every word matters. And um, mean something. And in this case, I think we've got a pretty wild, uh, I mean, there's a lot here to look at. Uh, the song is called Walking Far From Home, and it's done by Iron and Wine, who I, I, I'm a big fan of. Just really lovely stuff, interesting stuff, poetic stuff. And um, uh, heck, why don't we give this a listen? Here's Iron and Wine, Walking Far From Home. I was walking far from home Where the names were not burned along the wall Saw a building high as heaven But the door was so small The door was so small I saw rain clouds, little babies And a bridge that had tumbled to the ground I saw sinners Making music And I've dreamt of that sound Dreamt of that sound I was walking far from home But I carried your letters all the while I saw lovers in a window Whisper, want me like time Want me like time I saw sickness blooming fruit trees I saw blood and a bit of it was mine I saw children in a river But their lips were still dry Lips were still dry I was walking far from home And I found your face mingled in the crowd So a boat full of believers Sail off talking to life Talking too loud 
be honest you catch me on the right day uh or 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 i don't know the wrong day um I, this this thing brings me to tears i have uh unabashedly <laughs> cried in my car listening to this song or uh at home I just i i it's really really powerful to me and i, I look i know i'm a uh bibliophile and and, and I, I love words and i love um uh, Poetry and uh, language and just how uh, simple a simple sentence can evoke so much imagery and uh, so you know I may I may take this some some of this stuff uh, a, a little more a little more heavily than than others but uh, boy this one 
I mean, it's just, uh, well, let's take a look at it. I, I hope you enjoyed it. If you didn't, that's okay. Um, it, it's probably not for everybody. I mean, first off, musically, all that's going on there, man, oh, man, it's so uh, complicated and um, complex and gorgeous sounding and, and, and bizarre and, uh, I, I mean, it's his first off. His voice is incredible, um, but some of the some of the music they're just t- tones and uh, it it it, sh- it shifts around. Um, some of it sounds heavier and, and aggressive. Uh, other moments sound lighter and uh, softer. It, it's just uh, incredible. Well, what that music is doing is it's matching the tone of of uh, the lyrics. Uh, form and function are coming together. And, uh, man, um, there's a lot going on in these lyrics. Let's take a look. It starts with a very simple uh, declaration. I was walking far from home. And I'm sure we've all done that. It's always interesting when you're not when you're in an unfamiliar area to, uh, you know, go for a walk, check things out. I was walking far from home where the names were not burned along the wall. What do you think that means? Is I mean, that's honestly a line. I, I, I don't know exactly what's being said here, but it certainly is evocative where the names were not burned along the wall. So, um, boy, think about that. And that one is, is tough for me. Uh, I know <laughs> this is going to sound uh, maybe a little weird. I know that that line works, but um, to really explain exactly what is meant there might even be um, against what Iron and Wine is, is doing here. That what what uh, he's trying to say, uh, boy. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll we'll come back to it because he does use that uh, phrase again. Uh, some of the things that he sees on these walks are really obvious and some are really uh, aren't as obvious but he says he saw a building high as heaven but the door was so small door was so small there's some irony there of course you've got this gigantic uh perhaps it's a, a corporate high rise or it's a um a living space uh that's so big and it's so tall but the door is small meaning not all or everything is welcome, potentially. Um, how do you get? How do you fill such a space if the door is is so small? If if the uh, uh, entrance and exit, you know, you can't get too much in. They don't want too much in. They don't want too much to get out. That sort of uh, suggests potentially a, a corporate office building. Only certain people come in, and only certain people leave. Boy. I saw rain clouds, little babies, and a bridge that had tumbled to the ground. Man, oh man. And I've actually seen an old bridge that had collapsed, and it really is quite a sight. This may seem obvious, but a bridge that had tumbled to the ground is so ironic. It's, it's, it's meant to connect two places and to carry folks uh, over the ground, and here it has its fallen. It's completely failed, and how how you know that's that's fairly heartbreaking. That 
Something cannot do what it was it was built to do anymore. I saw sinners making music, and I dreamt of that sound, dreamt of that sound. I wonder if he's taking the stance of, um, boy, uh, somebody, you know, sinners making music. Who do you think the sinners are? They could be... <laughs> they could be a heavy metal band, and uh, he's sort of taking the viewpoint of somebody who disapproves of that style of music, or maybe uh, hardcore rap, or anything. Uh, you know, uh, it could also be sinners, as in um, maybe he passed a chain gang, and uh, they were singing a song while they were, um, you know, uh, weeding, or while they were picking up litter or something. You know, who? who's that's one of the wonderful things about this. We can explore it without knowing the full answers. And maybe we would get the full answers if we talked to the writer and the musician and said, hey, what exactly did you mean? But I have a feeling that he would go, well, I don't want you to I don't want to tell you exactly how I felt. I want you to feel I want you to think about what some of this stuff is. But isn't that fascinating? Sinners making music. And I dreamt of that sound. Were they good dreams? Were they nightmarish? Were they? Uh, all we know is that it stuck with him. I was walking far from home, but I carried your letters all the while. What? Isn't that lovely? That's sort of a quaint idea that um, we have to. I think it's safe to assume this is somebody he loves, but perhaps a woman who, who has written him love letters um, and he still has them and he's carrying them. He takes them wherever he goes so that he can reread them. Maybe there's maybe he doesn't reread them that often. Maybe there's just comfort knowing that he has them. And is she sending them as he travels? You know, when he stops in one place, is there a letter waiting for him? Or or uh, are these letters that uh, she wrote a long time ago and he just took on his adventures? This next one is wild, man. This is this is beautiful. I saw lovers in a window. Whisper, want me like time, want me like time. I think we've all sort of uh, inadvertently uh, uh, caught a glimpse of, uh, well, two people in, in, in love in, in a romantic situation. Um, you know, <laughs> especially, let's say, imagine you're walking and in, in a city or, uh, or you're even, you know, a suburb and you happen to glance over and in the window you can see two people in an embrace. They're kissing or they're um, really hugging each other. And uh, boy, whisper, want me like time. Because quite honestly, what could be more wanted than time? I mean, a lot of times we think, oh, what would I wish for if I had some sort of, uh, you know, I, I could wish for anything. Uh, money, um, health, happy. Well, the answer might very well be time because it's something that's you impossible to attain. You can't make up time. You can't get extra time. You just can't. Uh, it's like the one thing. You can figure out ways to get money. You can figure out ways to get fame. You can figure out ways to get love. But you cannot, you'll never figure out ways how to get time. And that's how much these lovers want one another. They want it. They want each other like time. Oh, that is gorgeous. I saw sickness 
blooming fruit trees. So there's a comma there. So these are two things, two clauses that he has seen. He's seen sickness and he's seen blooming fruit trees. Why are, are both of those in the same line, Josh? Because they're complete opposites. He put them side by side. Sickness is absolutely the opposite of a blooming fruit tree, something in the prime of its life, something healthy and vibrant as opposed to sickness. And he doesn't have to tell us what kind of sickness he's seen, just the fact that he's seen it. And uh, we all have. I saw blood and a bit of it was mine. Oh, how powerful is that? Um, any given situation, uh, you know, where he could have seen blood and then a bit of it was mine. Had he, heard, he, perhaps he hurt himself. Perhaps he was in a fight. Perhaps, uh, he, uh, saw some of his own blood in an attempt to stop another person from bleeding. Meaning maybe he saw somebody in dire straits and tried to help them and hurt himself in the process. Maybe all of it. I saw blood. Think about that. We're really not supposed to see blood. That is as natural a thing as blood is. We're not meant to see it. If we're seeing blood, something has gone wrong. And uh, he's seen it, though. He's seen blood from other people, and he's seen his own. Oh, this next one's very powerful, too. I saw children in a river, but their lips were still dry Lips were still dry. What does that tell us about these kids in a river? Probably that they're poor, that they're um, uh, they're certainly thirsty still. Can you imagine? I mean, think about that. They're swimming in a river. He didn't see them in an, in an in-ground pool. I mean, you know, it, it'd be different if he said, I saw children in an in-ground pool, but their lips were still dry. It's safe to, it would probably be safe to say, oh, well, uh, I'm sure lemonade is on its way or whatever. You know what I mean? No, he saw them in a river. They were uh, in there swimming. Well, maybe maybe they were even doing something like washing their clothes or or uh, trying to catch a meal. That uh, Their lips were still dry, so they may be surrounded by water, but they're not getting the water they really need, the, the water they can drink, the, uh, um, the, whether it be the environment they're in or financial straits, whatever. Their lips were still dry. I was walking far from home. And I found your face mingled in the crowd. Oh, boy. So here we are. Uh, your, the person whose face he's talking about is, of course, the person who's, who also gave him these letters that he's carrying. Do you think he literally saw her in, in a crowd? Or do you think he thought? Or, or do you think he saw somebody who reminded him of her? Or, um, you know, he saw some people and he thought, oh, boy, she would make... Um, she would be right at home with these folks. I, I tend to think he, she wasn't actually there. For all we know, she's not even alive anymore. Or he, or whoever it is that he's talking about. In my mind, you know, because I, I, I've, I've made the song somewhat personal. It is a, it, it's a woman, and um, uh, we've all done that, right? We've all, boy, you ever take a, you see somebody and you, and you, you double take because you go, oh, was that? No, no, it couldn't have been. But logic eludes you for a while. Something, the the, the uh, reminder of that person is so strong that you go, is that them? And of course it's not. But <laughs> the memory is so poignant. Or something is going on that you're just, oh boy, I found your face mingled in the crowd. This, one's, this next one is really open for interpretation. I don't think I've got a full grasp on it. 
but it's certainly something to um I, I have an idea. Saw a boat full of believers sail off talking too loud, talking too loud. Boy, a boat full of believers. Are they I we have to assume they're actually on a boat. It's not just a boatload. You know, you say, Oh yeah, there were a boatload of people at that concert. Well, they weren't on a boat. This is saw a boat full of believers. He doesn't say boat, he says boat full. So they're filling up a boat, sail off talking too loud. So believers, uh, what, what are they? Um, they're uh, religious folk. They're, uh, you know, they, uh, they're talking too loud. You think they're over-preaching? Do you think they're overselling their religion, trying to convert others? And uh, it's like, hey, hey, hey. Uh, do you think he feels maybe uh, back off a little bit? It's, you know, fine that you're a believer, but you sure are talking loud. You sure are in our face about it. That's sort of my theory here. Um, I saw sunlight on the water. What a simple sentence that's that's fairly loaded, though. Sunlight on the water. So <laughs> it's lovely. Uh, I mean, watching uh, the sunrise or the sunset near water is lovely. But then, you know, just looking at water... Uh, which 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 uh, obviously would extinguish any sort of flame or any sort of um, fire or light, and the sunlight is in it. Uh, so again, he's taking sort of opposites and and throwing juxtaposing them. Sunlight on the water, you know, and that's you can't do that with anything else. You can't really see sunlight on the on the earth, or um, I mean, you see the sun shining on it, but not like this. Or sunlight, you don't, and you certainly didn't ever see water on the sun. It's just one of those things that's so simple, but but at the same time, when you when you look at it, you go, "Oh yeah, that is amazing that you can look at water and see the sun." Saw so this. This next line is is pure poetry, even though it is a bleak um, image. Saw a bird fall like a hammer from the sky. That is the perfect way to put that. It goes back to that sort of uh, same thing as the bridge that had tumbled to the ground. A bird falling from the sky is unnatural. Something's gone wrong there. Um, it's dead. I mean, we have to assume it's 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 died in in midair and is falling. And why a hammer? Well, because that's exactly how a bird would fall. If you were to take a hammer and throw it up in the air, how does it fall? It it doesn't flip all the way to the ground. It would flip maybe going up. And then eventually falling, that the head of the hammer would lead the way. So this bird is just nose diving. So he could have said, saw a bird nose dive from the sky. But think of the, the the extra little care and time he put in writing that line. Saw a bird fall like a hammer. Hammers, uh, if you were to say, hey, what's something that would absolutely never fly? You might not say hammer, but he's right. A hammer would never fly. It's going to fall. It's not staying in the air. And that's the speed and uh, way that it fell. Just straight down. Saw a bird fall like a hammer from the sky. Boy, this next image is really something, too, that that you can... Uh, there's there's a whole backstory here that you can fill yourself, and that really is the beauty of this song. An old woman on a speed train... She was closing her eyes, closing her eyes. An old woman on a speed train. What does that uh, suggest? When he says speed train, he's not talking about 
you know, the type of steam train that this old woman might have might be used to that she grew up with. This is like a bullet train. So this this potentially is the first time this woman has been on such a fast uh, new modern train, and it had to have kind of flipped her out. Maybe that's why she's closing her eyes out of fear. This is a little too much. I'm not used to this. I'm used to the trains that uh, take us to Vocabville and uh, that kind of thing, a steam train. But she's on a speed train. She was closing her eyes. You know, maybe she's falling asleep. Maybe she's closing her eyes uh, out of fear. She doesn't want to see the scenery flying by that quickly. Um, Maybe she's uh, closing her eyes just to think and uh, remember. Ah, boy, you, you can really... Uh, you can picture that, and you can uh, fill in your own backstory. Boy, uh, for her. I saw flowers on a hillside. That's just a nice image. Followed by a not-so-nice image and a millionaire pissing on the lawn. What a, man, what a strong image. And what a, it's a fairly ugly image. Um. I, what I picture is that he saw these things side by side. He saw them right one right after the other. He's walking sort of down this street, sees flowers covering the, a hillside, and then he comes across this probably gigantic house, and I picture a guy either getting out of a very fancy car and heading to his house or a guy stumbling out of his home, maybe intoxicated. Either way, <laughs> the world is his. Is his. He's allowed because he's... Uh, a rich man, he's a powerful man. He's allowed to piss wherever he wants. So where does he go? Right on the lawn. Which is, <laughs> boy, a millionaire pissing on the lawn. He knows he's rich because of his surroundings. And uh, probably what he's wearing, maybe the car he just got out of, whatever. Maybe it was even at a party, a really glitzy, glamorous party. And this guy just walked over a little bit. Like, excuse me for a second, kind of walks near some bushes, but not quite to them and <laughs> just just lets loose on the lawn there. That That is really saying a lot in what? Seven words? Six, really? A millionaire pissing on the lawn? Oh, this next one, I don't I, I don't know what's going on, but I, sh- I certainly like to think about the potential here. Saw a prisoner take a pistol. So the prisoner is... It's, the person's in prison. Take a pistol. So, uh, what, reach over to one of the guards and grab the pistol out of the holster um, and say, join me in song. Join me in song. What is happening there? Can you, I mean, boy. A prisoner takes this pistol and says, join me in song. Well, you're, first off, you may go ahead and do it, whatever the song is. You may go, well, I better join. <laughs> this man's got a pistol. But is it a f- song about freedom? Is it a song about, um, is it a, uh, uh, is there some gospel there or something sort of religious? Because he knows, hey, this is the end for me. I'm, <laughs> I just stole this guy's pistol. This isn't going to end well. I'm going to sing my way uh, out, essentially. I'm going to sing, I'm going to be singing as I'm going down. That is very evocative. This next one is something we've all seen, and it, it, the way it is written here is is sad and beautiful and uh, altogether powerful. Saw a car crash in the country. Now, just that line itself, you go, oh, my gosh, he saw two cars crash 
crash into one another. But I don't think so. The next line suggests something else. Saw a car crash in the country where the prayers run like weeds along the road. I don't think he saw the car crash itself, and I don't think he even saw damaged cars in the country. He says where the prayers run like weeds along the road. I think he saw one of those roadside memorials where you're driving down the road and right on the side of the road there, you'll see crosses and teddy bears and letters and uh, flowers all in a row kind of, and he says running like weeds. So they're all sticking up and they're all uh, lined up there and they're people who went to the site of a car crash where presumably folks passed away and they're leaving their prayers, their their condolences. Whatever trinket or icon or uh, gift they want to leave, they've left and uh, they're saying, hey, here is where you left the earth and uh, we're, we're, we miss you and we love you and, and, and we think of, we're thinking about you and we want other people to know that this is where you uh, where life came to an end for you in, in an awful car crash. Ugh, we've all seen them. And uh, whew, there's there's a, um, a really sad beauty uh, there. This next one's wild, too. I, I saw strangers stealing kisses, giving only their clothes, only their clothes. <laughs> um, a little different from the image of uh, lovers... Whispering, want me like time in a window. These are strangers, and they are, uh, um, boy, maybe maybe two people who met at a bar. They just, they just, they, they, hey, we're gonna kiss. They they don't know each other too well, and so they're stealing kisses from one another. And the opposite. This is another one of those great things where he has opposites here. Strangers stealing kisses, giving. So obviously, we have two actions that are that oppose one another: stealing and giving, giving only their clothes. So what are they doing? I I think they're hurriedly undressing, giving only their clothes, <laughs> or they're 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 grabbing each other's clothing. You know, maybe she's got him by the tie, and he's got her by um, her sleeves or something. You know, anything. And uh, they're they're either undressing one another or they're taking their clothes off, giving only their clothes. And then uh, a very simple image followed by. Another one that is just so, so poetic. Saw a white dog chase its tail and a pair of hearts carved into a stone. This is another one of those wonderful opposites. What could be more different than a heart and a stone? One is um, soft and and uh, and um <laughs> Sort of, you know, if you really want to get down to it, squishy and um, damp and filled with uh, life. And um, a stone is the exact opposite. It's hard and it's cold and it's filled with, uh, I mean, it's it's rock solid. There's no puncturing it like uh, there is a heart. There's nothing malleable about it. But yet... Somebody carved into the stone a pair of hearts. First off, it's it's wonderful because it's about love. 
Obviously, whoever did it loved another person and said, you know what? We are going to immortalize our hearts, our love into this stone. The stone's not going anywhere. The hearts are. The hearts will degrade. A stone will not. Their love is going to last forever. Um, just, again, a simple line and so much happening there. This next one is another one I don't quite have my finger on, but I sure love it. I saw kindness. Well, first off, that's just a simple clause. That's that's wonderful. We've all seen kindness in some form or another. And isn't it? Does, uh, boy, the next time you see a nice kind act from one person to another, you, 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 you're not a part of it, but you witness it. Really try to uh, soak it in. It's like, oh, boy, what a nice thing to see. I saw kindness and an angel crying, take me back home, take me back home. I don't know what literally he saw here. An angel crying, take me back home. But the notion that an angel, so what do we know about angels? A a heavenly, a celestial uh, figure um, wants to go back. So something from heaven, let's say, has come down to earth, (laughs) has gotten a look around and said, you know what, take me back home. That's that's uh, there, there's something fairly cynical and sad there, um, particularly after I saw kindness. You would think if an angel came down and saw nothing but kindness, they would go, this is a place I like and I want to be. But no, he may have seen kindness, but at the same time, he has seen an angel crying, not not just saying, you know what, take me back home, but but crying Take me back home. Get me out of here. I want to go back to heaven. I, I'm. I can't. I can't work down here. I can't do uh, what I would like. It's too much. Take me back home, boy. I would love to know what what the literal situation is there, but the um, the uh, figurative is is really interesting. The next two things are simple, but they're both opposites. Of course, saw a highway, saw an ocean. Boy, you couldn't get more different than a highway in an ocean. Uh, One soft, hard, um, strict direction. The other, um, I'm sorry, not soft, hard. Uh, One uh, um, stable and hard and uh, going, you know, in certain in specific directions that are strict. The other, all over the place. Um, Water, water. it moves not like a highway is always flat. The the ocean, of course, waves. Uh, oh boy, I saw <laughs> this one's and this is an interesting one too. I saw widows in the temple to the law. Wow, temple to the law. Uh, do we mean actual justice? Are these widows sitting in a courtroom uh, while the fate of um, let's say their their husbands killers are being decided? That is that says so much in so in so little words, so few words. I saw widows in the temple to the law. Are they just in the court getting uh, death certificates? What's what is going on? But man, that's a strong that is a strong sentence. And then uh, this next one's uh, boy, really fascinating too. Naked dancers in the city. How they spoke for us all. Spoke for us all, so he's in a strip club. If you want to, if you want to take it to its most literal uh, 
form. Naked cities in the da- naked dancers in the city. He's downtown. He's in a strip club. These women are naked. They're dancing. How they spoke for us all. What do you think he saw that made him decide? Well, these folks are speaking for all of us. You could, uh, you know, think about that. There could, there's a lot happening that could be happening there. Maybe he said, "Man, these folks are are bearing everything they have. They are on stage naked, as vulnerable as can be, for money." Does is does that is that what speaks for us all? How we're all putting ourselves out there to make a living? Does is that what he means? Uh, or does he see a sense of control and freedom in a naked dancer? Does he look at a stripper and go, you know what? She's out there. She's confident enough to bear her physical body. She's controlling the audience because they're transfixed by her image uh, and her beauty and uh, the way she moves and operates and they're throwing money at her. She is clearly in control here, even though it may seem like she's being um, objectified or, explo- or exploited. She's still sort of the boss in the situation. Is that what he thinks? Is speak? There's a freedom and a control that he thinks that they uh, ev- evoke and, and, and symbolize. Boy, they're speaking for all of us, aren't they? Up there. Oh, really fascinating. I saw loaded linen tables. Boy, what a sight, especially if you're a wanderer. If he's, you know, he's you're walking far from home and you happen to, you're either sitting down to or you look into a window and there there's a, a, a banquet being laid out on a gorgeous linen table. That means somebody took the time, a linen table. It's, it's. They took the time to lay out the, the uh, table spread, the uh, tablecloth there, and they're just, it's loaded. Any uh, food, uh, just a bounty. Mm. And a motherless cult, then it was gone. Now, this is a line that you might go, well, that's clunky and clumsy. I don't think so. And a motherless cult, then it was gone. Because that's exactly how you see things like that, isn't it? A motherless cult. So, alone. Young horse, you you see it, and the next thing you know, it's gone in a flash. It ran off. Uh, you, you know, he could have said deer, he could have said anything, but that's what happens. So a lot of times, as soon as you notice something in nature, like an animal like that, they're gone. You don't get to really, um, you know, dwell in the moment too much. You every time you see a wild animal, you go, oh my gosh, I could stare at this all day, but it never really gives you the chance, does it? And a motherless cult, then it was gone. Why did it rush away so quick? Was it scared of uh, this person walking? Or is it, I got to find my mom, that kind of thing. Uh, what a sight. A motherless cult, then it was gone. I saw hungry brothers waiting with the radio on, radio on. What is happening there? Does he mean literal brothers? Are they... Uh, you know, two boys of the same parents listening to the radio, uh, waiting for mom to call them into dinner. Is it, uh, does he mean brothers in the sort of colloquial sense? Uh, you know, two a- African-American guys uh, listening to the radio uh, on the street, uh, you know, beside a building, waiting for uh, the restaurant to open up or, um, 
or you know whatever's happening there somebody a food truck uh, or or somebody to come about come by with food and give it to them i saw hungry brothers waiting with the radio on uh you know that's certainly open for interpretation and then we come to the last verse here and really what the whole song's about because we've gotten this list of things that this person walking far from home has seen whether they be sad or beautiful or uh, filled with despair or hope or uh, there's a lot of life and death happening here there's a lot of doubt and belief and uh, love and um, ugliness and uh, all of it all of it is in this song we've we kind of come to what uh, he's he wants to tell us says I was walking far from home where the names were not burned along the wall saw a weird road form a circle well a road that forms a circle wouldn't is weird by definition you wouldn't expect a road to take you back to exactly where you came you know um so you would think the road would carry you on but but he saw this road it, it exists out there it's a weird road formed a circle so he's walking far from home maybe this whole road led him back home Maybe that's kind of what he's saying here. He's like, hey, I've been out there. I've seen all these things, but I eventually did make my way back. And by the way, I saw a road once that just formed a circle. <laughs> How strange is that? And he closes the song with this last line. And it came like a call, came like a call from the Lord. Boy! What a shot! What a what a punch to the gut! What a uh, a, a shot to the brain uh, that is! Um, a, a light, a beacon being shown right into your eyes. It came like a call, came like a call from the Lord. And here's the thing: he says he has that that line about weird road from a circle, and it came like a call. I do not believe that he is just saying, "Well, that road that formed a circle came like a call." Everything he's listed. He could have he could have followed up with, and it came like a call from the Lord. Now here's the deal. Uh, when he says the Lord, I I think you can you don't have to be um, a Christian or any particular religion to uh, to be able to appreciate what he's saying here. What he's saying, in my mind, is. There is something else. There, there's a higher uh, being. There's, there's a higher power. Uh, there's something, some other force, some, uh, something uh, beyond our uh, control and our will and our uh, ourselves that is out there. The things he saw were so beautiful or so devastating or so joyful or heartbreaking that they came like a call from the Lord, something out there reminding him, hey, you're not alone. There's something else. And isn't that, isn't that simultaneously comforting and awe-inspiring and terrifying and uh, something that, uh, that at the same time makes you feel so small yet so uh, important? All these things that he saw walking far from home reminded him, boy, there is more out there. There is more 
out there, more out there to see and experience and to uh, give ourselves to and to celebrate and to grieve. I, I mean, I can't get over and and all of this hits you in a little over four minutes. And I that's one of the reasons why I find myself crying after I hear this song. And I again, I'm not ashamed to say it because I'm not just crying for all that he saw. I'm crying for all that I've seen, that I've experienced, things that have reminded me, man, you know what? There might be a higher power out there, uh, something beyond uh, all of our comprehension, but it's there because I've seen things and I've experienced them and uh, I've felt a lot of uh, things. Uh, boy, um, I've loved and I've, I've uh, I, while I may not carry physical letters with me like he, he says he is, uh, I certainly carry the words and emotions of uh, those that I have loved with me. And I do see their faces mingled in crowds and um, man, wonderful stuff. Iron and wine, uh, just terrific. And it's one of those songs again, that's easy to go. Oh, okay. Here's a list of things. But when you really look at it, like we just did. And by the way, please don't take my word for it. Um, listen to the song again, if, if you like. And, um, Come to your own conclusions about what some of these things mean. And uh, that's the whole point here. I don't want to tell you this is the end-all, be-all uh, of uh, this is what the song's about. I, we want, and Iron and Wine certainly wants, you to walk away from this song and to carry it with you with your own ideas. Um, uh, that's, that's the beauty of uh, all, all music and all poetry and literature and art. Walk away with your own ideas. Thank you for uh, for doing that with me. That I, I just love it. I love it, and um, I hope it's it's interesting to you as well. And uh, you know, when when I'm inspired to do so, we'll uh, again we'll, we will do it again. And I may even do it with some poetry. I actually had somebody write in and said <laughs> saying, "Hey, would you do that to a Slipknot song?" Because uh, uh, a lot of you know that I love uh, uh, well, I love all kinds of music, but I love heavier music. Uh, and. Uh, <laughs> And so I might actually, the the thing about it is for those of you who aren't into that type of thing, you would have to listen to a Slipknot song first, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so you'd be uh, subjected to that, uh, which is great if you like it. If you don't, ugh, boy, uh, that it would be somewhat of a chore for you, <laughs> but there may be people who only listen to things like Slipknot and it was a chore for them to listen to an iron and wine song. So, <laughs> so uh, Hey, we'll take the, uh, what we like with what we uh, may not like as much. Um, you know, I, I was talking to uh, Jason, uh, a great friend of mine and, and the producer of this podcast, and he does so much wonderful work for the Bob and Tom show and has for just years and years and will for years uh, to come. And uh, he's he's uh, one of my favorite people because uh, we uh, he's always got questions. He's always got things to talk about. And... Um, uh, he was actually asking me a couple questions and uh, I wanted to, I thought they, they were so good and I appreciated them so much that I want to answer them uh, in, in the podcast. They are uh, comedy uh, related for the most part. And the first one was, what is the biggest difference um, or some of the biggest differences between performing for a, an audience on the radio, listening to the radio and performing for a live uh, audience in a comedy club? Now, I think I've talked before the, about the differences of uh, 
doing comedy on the radio as opposed to doing uh, stand-up, which is, you know, obviously, uh, and I'll just recap that real quick. Uh, on the morning show, uh, I've got a team. It's really a team effort, and it's it's uh, in, uh, improvised. So we're just flying by the seat of our pants. We've got each other to hold on to or to uh, uh, assist and go to, to feed lines to, to be the straight man for, to be the uh, idiot for. Uh, to be the uh, nice guy for, to be the jerk for. <laughs> I love playing all the roles. So um, uh, uh, there's that. Whereas as opposed to stand-up, where it's just me up there, I've got no safety net, and uh, the material is fairly well thought out and rehearsed. Um, so uh, those are the main differences. There. In terms of, there are obviously there, there are differences with uh, w- what I say on the radio. I don't hear the listeners' reactions. I hear the reactions of those in the studio. But that those aren't always accurate. And here's what I mean. I could say something that is genuinely funny, that across the board, people would laugh at. And the folks in the room at the time won't laugh at, either because it didn't, uh, they, they were um, thinking of what they wanted to say, or they were looking up a, a certain uh, news uh, item, or who knows? There are a lot of distractions that can happen <laughs> in the morning show. <laughs> And uh, so I'll so it would be easy for me to go. Well, that joke bombed, but what what has happened is I'll say something, and it'll get nothing in the room, and then some emails and messages will start coming in saying, "Dude, that was hilarious." I don't know why people didn't they didn't laugh. Uh, that was so so. What I have to remind myself of because it's easy to forget that you're you're listening. <laughs> So um, that's one of the big differences is I can't see you. I can't hear you. So I have no idea whether a joke or some or an aside or anything like that um, or even a uh, tone that I'm taking. Because sometimes I will, particularly with Tom not being in right now, I will take on the role of the uh, of the prick. <laughs> Somebody needs to. It, it creates comedic uh, uh, tension. And uh, sometimes it's just fun to be a nitpicky, whiny, uh, insulting jerk because it's fun to play the villain sometimes. Now, the key to it is that they have to treat me like I'm a villain because uh, and it's something that I've been working with Christy on. And by working on with her, I mean, like, I'm not training her or teaching. I'm just like, I'll have to, I'll, she and I will talk and I'll go, hey, if I give you a hard time. And she'll go, oh, I'm going to let you have it. Great. That's something. So we're like, we're, we're team working on, I should say, uh, with her and uh, are together. Um, is if I give her a hard time, but hey, you mispronounced that word. She needs to tell me to shut up <laughs> or call me a nerd or a know-it-all or whatever. Um, or remind me of a time where I mispronounced the word because it happens all the time. Uh, so um, that way the audience can go, geez, that was, instead of them going, well, that was mean, them going, Oh, good. They're uh, tearing into each other, and it's funny. Um, whereas, so, I, I don't hear the audience, whereas I obviously hear the audience uh, at, at a stand-up club, so I get an immediate sense of what the audience at a club is laughing at and where I can take my material. So, if I find that a uh, uh, an audience is laughing at some dirtier stuff or some... Uh, uh, you know, more adult-themed uh, material, then I can do more of it. 
Or if the opposite's happening, they're laughing at more of the cerebral, cleaner, um, you know, stuff, then I can steer into more of that material and give the audience what it's telling me it wants. Uh, I can't do that on the radio. I don't have that uh, ability because I don't know what you're laughing at out there. So if uh, I am being a, a jerk, I'm playing the villain, and you're all out there laughing at it, I don't know if I should I should continue because I, I don't. So um, uh, I'm going to get it wrong. Uh, on the radio, I'm going to get it wrong uh, because I I don't know how it's reading to, to you, the listeners. That's a, that's a big difference. Um, I'd, I'd say that's the main difference is I, I, I don't know, but it's also the fun, you know, um, I, I, I take a lot more risks on the morning show than I do in my standup. Um, for that reason, I mean, it, they're just sort of inherent. Jason also asked me, Hey, when you were coming up, uh, learning, uh, the craft of comedy, which <laughs> I'm still, uh, still learning, of course. And I hope I always am the day that I feel like I know everything is probably the day I should stop doing comedy. The, uh, but when you were in open mics and, uh, stuff like that, and you were, you, you said, Hey, I want to do comedy for a living. And it's looking like it's, it's a possibility if I keep working hard and getting better. Uh, was there a particular stage that you always wanted to perform on? And uh, that this has got to be common with uh, comedians and uh, probably I would imagine even maybe even more so musicians who went one day we will play Red Rock or one day we will play the Fillmore, that kind of thing. Uh, and the answer is yes. I had never thought about this question before. It's an excellent question. And I know Jason's asked uh, musicians and comedians that and they all love the question and are happy to answer it. But it's um, I hadn't considered it. But the answer is yes, absolutely. And I kind of have three answers. Um, two of them have happened. Uh, my first goal was to work the stage of the Funny Bone in St. Louis. It was the club. It still is. Uh, uh, there are uh, uh, other uh, uh, clubs doing just fine. Uh, you know, and that I haven't worked in the St. Louis area that I hear are fun. Um, uh, but the St. Louis Funny Bone was where I first started doing open mic. These other clubs weren't there at the time. And uh, it was also where I saw all stand-up comedy. Um, and I went, man, one day I'd like to be up there and making folks laugh. So I worked my way up at my, it, it was my home club is what, how a lot of comedians refer to the club they got their start. And uh, yeah, eventually I got to be on the, um, St. Louis Funny Bone stage. Now, here's here's sort of this is sort of interesting. The first time I ever did stand up, uh, besides like school variety shows, was on the St. Louis Funny Bone stage. I I did an open mic, but what I mean is performing on a a weekend show, a non open mic show, a Friday, a Saturday, in front of uh, three hundred people. And uh, boy, yeah, that sure was uh, a goal of mine, and I worked for it, and. Uh, Attained it. I got there. And it's still one of my favorite places to perform. So the next level for me was to perform at a place called The Pageant in uh, St. Louis. It's a wonderful uh, theater. Uh, it holds a lot of great concerts. It hold, holds a lot of great, uh, all kinds of events. I had seen a ton of bands there. I had seen comedians there. And I went, man, that's kind of the next goal because it means 
Uh, not only am I uh, decent enough to work comedy clubs, I can work the next level, which is a theater. And uh, eventually I did get to. I got to open for Dave Attell at the pageant. And uh, it was great. And I pointed, I learned quickly the differences between working a theater and a comedy club. At, at the St. Louis Funny Bone, when you're on stage, you can look out at the audience and essentially see everybody. And uh, you're so close and the ceilings are so low um, that when you get a laugh, it's immediate. You say something, they think it's funny, you hear that laugh right away. At a theater, you can see no one, not even the people in the front row. It's just the way the lights are. They're shining right in your face. You can't see anybody. You have no idea what their body language is. You Honestly, you kind of have no idea if there are people even there. You <laughs> until you get that first laugh. And here's the thing. A theater is much bigger, of course. The ceiling is way high. The room is spread out. The audience is much farther away from you than they are at a comedy club. And it takes a split second longer for the laugh to hit you. It's just obvious the way sound travels. You wouldn't think that that would throw you as much as it does it totally does. Because I had worked comedy clubs only, I was so used to the laugh being immediate. Even if it was a weak laugh, you know what I'm saying? Even if it was a joke that didn't really work, I knew right away. In this case, that split second, it was enough time for me and my brain to tell a joke. I'm waiting for the response. That extra split second, in my head, I go, oh, oh my God. They, I'm, they... <laughs> <laughs> that joke bombed so hard, they're not going to laugh. I'm terrified. This is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. And uh, all of a sudden, the laugh hit me. Went, oh, man, what? And even then, I kind of went, well, this is a slower audience than I'm used to. <laughs> and then after the second, third, fourth joke, I realized, oh, no, it's just taking a little longer for the laugh to come to me, and uh, I'm going to have to adjust. Because I wonder if, even if that split second, the audience could see my eyes and my face fill with fear when the laugh didn't hit me as quickly as I was used to. <laughs> Probably not. I hope not. I hope I was able to you know, keep it in the pocket uh, well enough. Uh, but that was certainly big. So I did. I got to work the pageant. And um, the next one... I would love to work. I don't know if it'll happen. I uh, I would love to think that it will. But it's the uh, Kalamazoo State Theater. And that might seem um, uh, kind of uh, random uh, to many. Um, I mean, look, I could say uh, the Ryman. <laughs> that would be... But I would be in such awe and so honored to be up there. I, I mean, I don't even know... What? First off, it's just simply not going to happen. But I, I don't know what I would, uh, how I would even act. I would, I feel like after every joke, I would go, I would just look around and go, man, you get, you, you understand where we're at? <laughs> Do you know who's been up here? Uh, what this stage means and everything. I would just constantly be in my own way. But um, why the Kalamazoo State Theater? It's where uh, Robert Schimmel performed the special. It's my favorite stand-up special of all time, and uh, it uh, it was the special that got me to try uh, to, to go, I want to do that. Um, I always kind of wanted to, but that was the special that got me off my ass. 
and went, I'm, I'm not, this was a special where I didn't say I want to do that. It was the special where I said, I'm going to do that. And uh, it's a beautiful theater. I've, I've never been in it. I've only seen photos and footage and stuff like that. And of course, uh, you know, and uh, I would love to go there. And um, I've been to Kalamazoo and wonderful place, wonderful people. And I would love to work the Kalamazoo State Theater and, um, you know, kind of t- as a tip of the hat to the late, great Robert Schimmel, who, um, uh, boy, make <laughs> really, really makes me laugh to this day and um, whom I miss. I didn't know him. I met him, um, but I didn't get to know him. But I uh, would have loved to have uh, uh, had he not passed on so early. So, um yeah, that's 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 my answer there. The state, the Kalamazoo State Theater. Mm, boy, oh boy. Well, let's get out of here. I've uh, look, I've uh, taken up enough of your day, <laughs> but it always is uh, so so great being with you. Hey, go to my Instagram at that Josh Arnold. Uh, I'm tr- I'm really trying to embrace it more. Throw stories up, throw pictures up, and of course all my. Um, Tour info's there. I, I have a link tree in my bio where you can get tickets for upcoming shows and my cameo and my website and all that stuff. So um, check that out. If you haven't already, please uh, subs- or, uh, friend me or whatever it is on Instagram. Also, yeah, you can go to my website, thatjoshcharnold.com. Go to the schedule. Find out where I'll be doing stand-up. Uh, coming up, I've got uh, uh, the Caravan in Louisville. I will be there August 27th, 28th. Uh, Friday, Saturday, following the following weekend, Labor Day weekend, that's Saturday and Sunday only, all right? Saturday, the September 4th, Sunday, September 5th, I will be at Liberty Heights, Ohio, in greater Cincinnati at the Funny Bone. Then the 10th, September 10th, a Friday night, I will be at the Irving Theater in Indianapolis with Greg Warren and Christy Lee. And uh, that's a charity show benefiting the Indianapolis Vets Center, which uh, helps uh, military veterans and uh, primarily mental illness. Uh, so it's a great cause. It's a very special cause, uh, special to me, uh, and, well, to, to everybody, really. And, um, and then September 11th, I will have uh, another Indiana show. The specifics are being uh, worked out right now, so I will talk about that next week. And then September 17th and September 18th, the return of Josh Arnold, the Toledo Funny Bone. That's right. <laughs> I believe Tom has referred to it as the redemption tour when I hit Toledo the September 17th and uh, 18th. Again, all this on my website, on my Instagram. And, uh, oh, you know what? I didn't think about something we could work on today. Oh, but we've got the music, so I better think of something. Hmm. You know what? How about this? This is nice, all right? It just came to me, and uh, maybe we've done this before. I don't know. If we have, no reason not to do it again. Here's what I want you to do. Somebody that you... uh, I think we have done this before, but we're going to do it again. Somebody that you admire, somebody that you love, somebody that you appreciate, I want you to leave them a, a short note this week, all right? Leave it on their desk, leave it on the bed, leave it on the kitchen counter, leave it in their lunchbox. Just a short note saying, you know what? I appreciate you. I love you. I'm proud of you. And then just sign your name. Something very sweet and simple. Just, you know, but put pen to paper. 
put pencil to paper, put crayon to paper, put colored pencil to paper. Hey, did you see that Sharpie has new pens out? They're like thin. I've got to try. Anyway, uh, do do that. Write them a short note. And, and think back to that Iron and Wine song. I carried your letters all the while. Maybe they, maybe, uh, this doesn't have to be a letter, but maybe um, they will keep this uh, little note, this little post-it, all the while. They'll either carry it with them or they'll leave it on their desk or, um, yeah, something, something like that. So, do that this week. I will as well. And uh, goodbye!